You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Apologies today and tomorrow for a little bit different audio quality. We're doing some renovations to the house, so I'm recording in a little bit of a different spot. Before we get started today, college football right around the corner, and there's no better place to get all of your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked On Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Monday, August 2nd, and we have made it through another month of this excruciatingly long off season, which means we are now a month away from September when practices can finally begin in earnest. And we're now just 68 days away from craziness in the kennel. And today on the show, there is a bunch to get to. The news and notes are going to be full of content. We're also going to continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Ben Gregg. And then we're going to start a new series today. We're going to go back and we're going to reminisce on all 22 of Mark Few's basketball teams at his time as head coach at Gonzaga. We've got 22 episodes of this podcast in the month of August, and there have been 22 basketball teams that Mark Few has been the head coach of. So today, we start from the beginning, the 1999-2000 Gonzaga basketball squad. We're going to look back on their roster, their schedule, and their style of play. But before we get to all of that, some news and notes from around the weekend, and there is a lot, so strap in. When we left you on Friday, I said... Japan and Rui Hachimura needs to beat Argentina over the weekend, and they need help from the United States. They needed the U.S. to beat the Czech Republic probably by 30-plus. Well, the second part of that happened. The United States beat the Czech Republic by 35, which means all Japan had to do was beat Argentina, and they would qualify for the quarterfinals. Unfortunately, they could not get it done. They lost the game 97-77. to They actually cut the game to four points about midway through the third quarter. It was pretty much a 10-12 to point game. Uh, up until that point, but they could not make enough plays to either tie the game or take the lead, and then Argentina kind of took it from there in the fourth quarter. They really, really stifled Rui Hachimura in that game. He was coming off a game where he scored 34 points uh, the game prior, and Argentina did everything they could to take Rui out of the game. He finished 6 for 17 from the field. He only had 13 points. He did have 11 rebounds, uh, but Argentina really really, uh, you know, catered their defense to Rui Hachimura and stopping him. And the rest of his roster is full of really young uh, young players, but talented players, but not talented enough where they can all go get uh, their own baskets. So Japan finishes 0-3, which is unfortunate, on their home soil, and they did not qualify for the quarterfinals. So Rui Hachimura's Olympic journey has ended. Two other things that we want to talk about, and that first thing is the 2022 recruiting class. Because Anthony Black has gotten a crystal ball for Gonzaga from Rivals. And that's big time. Uh, We've talked about Anthony Black before on this show for the last month now. So it's huge that uh, some national coverage is finally turning to the fact that Gonzaga might be uh, in the lead for his recruitment at this point. Anthony Black, like I've said, is their priority target number one. Uh, AJ Casey probably priority target number two. That's those the the two priorities at the guard in the forward position, and then the other guard that they're going after hard is Jaden Bradley. He's ranked 18th overall uh, in the class of 2022 by Rivals, and he has set an official visit for Gonzaga. 
Uh, he's already visited Alabama, North Carolina, Arizona, and Michigan in the month of June, and he is setting uh, dates to go visit Gonzaga and Florida State coming up here shortly. So basically, what we've got in the 2022 recruiting class is Anthony Black and AJ Casey in the front court and the back court, and then we've got Jaden Bradley, who would be awesome to team next to Anthony Black, and then we've got Johan Traore, who would be awesome to team next to AJ Casey in the front court. So the two clear favorites are Anthony Black and AJ Casey with their two uh, kind of other running mates uh, in Jaden Bradley and Johan Traore. Getting Anthony Black would be huge, especially since uh, it seems like Rasheer Bolton's only going to play one year in Spokane, so he can kind of fill in that spot right away as a freshman and be either the third or fourth guard on the team with Dominic Harris, Nolan Hickman, and Hunter Salas, depending on how many of those come back. Which leads us into the 2022 NBA mock draft that was released by Jonathan Gavoni shortly after the 2021 draft wrapped up last week. And he's got Chet Holmgren, of course, as the number one pick overall going to the Houston Rockets. But the more interesting stuff is who else he has in this mock draft. He's got Nolan Hickman as the 22 overall pick going to the Denver Nuggets. Then he's also got Drew Timmy going midway through the second round and Andrew Nemhard going midway through the second round to Portland and to Memphis. The notable exception here, Hunter Salas, not listed as a draft pick, which goes kind of with what I've been saying about Hunter Salas is I think he's too raw right now where I don't see him as a one and done. Hickman is interesting. Uh, a lot of people seem to be much higher on Hickman's one-and-done possibilities than uh, Hunter Salas' possi- uh, one-and-done possibilities. But either way, getting Anthony Black in that 2022 recruiting class would be huge uh, because it would be an insurance policy for sure, depending on how many of those players leave. And the other thing I want to talk about is NBA free agency starts today, and there's several zags uh, in the NBA and overseas uh, who I want to talk about. Number one is Kelly Olynyk. Kelly is a completely unrestricted free agent, which means he can go sign wherever he wants. And if you remember, he was traded to Houston midway through this past season, and he was absolutely dominant in his time in Houston. He played 27 games for them. He averaged 19 points, 8.5 rebounds, and 4 assists. All of those would have been career highs across a full season. With his time in Miami, he played 70 games overall this past season and did have a career-high 13.5 points and 7 rebounds. So Kelly Olenek has definitely gained some interest, and it seems like the early favorite, at least according to reports, is the Detroit Pistons have a lot of interest in him. The Detroit Pistons have a very depleted roster. They had the number one pick in the NBA draft and just took Kate Cunningham. So it would be interesting to see Kate Cunningham and Kelly Olenek kind of form a one-two punch there. But Kelly Olenek definitely going to get a lot of interest in NBA free agency. The other three players, uh, number one is Zach Collins. He did not receive uh, any sort of offer from the Portland Trailblazers, which means he is also an unrestricted free agent. Not surprising given his injuries over the past four years, and it seems like Portland is going to go a different direction. But when healthy, Zach Collins is certainly in the mold of a modern NBA big. It's just a matter of him getting healthy. The other one, Killian Tilly. He received a qualifying offer from the Memphis Grizzlies, which means he is a restricted free agent and essentially means that the Memphis Grizzlies believe in him enough to keep him on the roster for at least another season. And that's great news for Killian Tilly. He finally got healthy about midway through last season, um, and he was in the rotation at least a little bit um, when there was a bunch of injuries. So we'll see what happens with Killian Tilly next year, but it's good that Memphis sees something in him where they gave him a qualifying offer to keep him on the team. And then the last and possibly most interesting name here is Kevin Pangos. There's a report that came out early Sunday morning from Bobby Marks, and he said 
One under-the-radar name to keep an eye on entering free agency is Kevin Bangos, the 28-year-old point guard coming off a season, averaging 13.5 points and 6.5 assists overseas. There is no buyout uh, to get the former Gonzaga guard back to the United States, which is a huge part of the contract that Kevin Pangos signed recently. If he gets a, a deal with a NBA team, he can go for free. It doesn't cost anything to him uh, or his team overseas. So it's going to be interesting to see how many NBA teams are interested in Kevin Pangos. He's only 28 years old. He's got plenty of years left in him. He's one of the best guards in Europe, um, and he is well, well, well overdue for a shot in the NBA, and hopefully he gets that with somebody here in NBA free agency. Okay, that is going to do it for the news and notes. Coming up, we are starting a new series where we reminisce on the past. 22 episodes in the month of August, 22 Gonzaga basketball teams head coached by Mark Few. And today, we're talking about the 1999-2000 Gonzaga Bulldogs. And we'll reminisce on them and talk about their roster, talk about their schedule, talk about their style of play. Coming up here in just a second. But first, today's episode being sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, and boy, let me tell you, there are a lot of them out right now. Feel free to get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health-conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, which is 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. It's LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, let's talk about the 1999-2000 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Let's hop into the time machine here. I've been going through uh, a bunch of old Gonzaga games throughout the summer, and I'm doing a project for my website where I kind of go through the offensive evolution of Gonzaga from 1999 through the present. And so let's talk about the 1999-2000 Gonzaga team. Uh, coming off of their you know, Elite Eight run, they lose uh, Jeremy Eaton, they lose Quinton Hall, but for the most part, they bring back a heavy majority of their roster, and that includes senior guards Richie Fromm and Matt Santangelo, and then also uh, a senior big man, Axel Dench. And of course, they bring back Casey Calvary, who was only a junior at the time. When they entered the season, ranked 24th in the country, the first time they'd ever been ranked uh, in the preseason. They start the year 4-0, including a win over Washington State, which is always huge. And then they go play Cincinnati, the number one team in the country. And they lose by eight, which is a good showing. Uh, they end up losing to Temple a few days later. But then they go into Poly Pavilion. Ranked number 25 in the country at the time. They go into Poly Pavilion and beat UCLA on the road, ranked number 11 at the time, and they held them to 43 points. They beat them 59 to 43 at Poly Pavilion. UCLA was ranked 11 at the time. They were shorthanded, missing a couple players, but it does not matter. They still beat them and held them to 43 points on their own home court. UCLA freshman Jason Capono, after the game, said this. Gonzaga just took our heart and our pride from us. They started hitting shots, crashing for rebounds. We couldn't answer that. That's when our heart was taken, and it was all downhill from there. And it was followed by an incredible quote from Matt Santangelo as well, which kind of shows how much confidence Gonzaga had started building at the time. He said this, Two years ago, Gonzaga could not say that if we play our game, we can win. But now, we can say that. UCLA shot the ball 20 
6% for the game, which was a school record low inside Pauley Pavilion. They also had 16 turnovers. I'd imagine that record still holds today. 26% at home. Gonzaga held them. Uh, and Ryan Floyd uh, was actually the star of the game. He scored a career-high 17 points. He had five three-pointers coming off the bench. So a huge win to start the season for Gonzaga. They ended up backing that up two days later by beating Washington on the road. So back-to-back enormous wins over the Pac-12, including a win over Washington State earlier in the year. So three Pac-12 wins. They ended up losing three Pac-12 games later on in December to Cal, to Oregon, and to Colorado. All of those really close games. But after they beat UCLA and Washington, they jumped up to number 22 in the country, their highest ranking in school history at the time. They ended up going 11-3 in the WCC. They headed to the WCC tournament, and they needed to beat Pepperdine probably in order to get in to that NCAA tournament, and they beat them in overtime. And that was an absolute classic. They beat them 69 to 65. And without that win, there isn't a second Sweet 16 run. And who knows where Gonzaga is if they don't beat Pepperdine to get into the NCAA tournament back in March of 2000. But they do beat Pepperdine in overtime and they get a number 10 seed, which means they got to go face Louisville, the number seven seed in the first round. And they beat them. And this is when everybody starts saying, here comes Gonzaga again. It was Richie Fromm. One of the more underrated, great performances in Gonzaga tournament history. 31 points. One of just a few players who've ever scored 30-plus in an NCAA tournament game for Gonzaga. Richie Fromm was the first. 31 points. He had four threes. He had seven rebounds. He had three assists. Him and Matt Santangelo basically played 40 minutes every single game for Gonzaga down the stretch of the season. And then they went out and played the number two seed, St. John's. And for those that aren't old enough to remember this, St. John's was the hottest team in the country coming into that tournament. They had won 10 of their last 11 games. They blasted through the uh, Big East tournament, won the Big East championship over UConn, and they got a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. But you know what they did? They ran into Gonzaga. And Gonzaga in the tournament in the early 2000s and late 90s was a juggernaut. And that's exactly what happened to St. John's. They witnessed Gonzaga Cinderella style. Matt Santangelo hit six threes in the game, six for 10 from deep, dished out five assists. He had 26 points. And it was Axel Dench who played absolutely fantastic on the interior. He had 17 points on 7 of 15 shooting. Gonzaga held St. John's to 6 of 25 shooting from beyond the arc. Gonzaga went on to win the game 82 to 76. Of course, they ended up losing in the Sweet 16 to Purdue. Uh, Gonzaga's guards really struggled uh, to shoot the ball in that game. Probably the worst of the three years um, from 99 to 2001. This was probably... The worst game uh, for Gonzaga's guards. They ended up shooting 5 for 20 from deep in that game. Purdue ended up winning 75 to 66, ending Gonzaga's season in the Sweet 16. So I want to talk about their style of play a little bit because back in 1999, uh, during their original run, they ran a ton of flex. That's really all they did was run flex. They had a little bit of emotion that they ran, but for the most part, it was the flex offense. When Mark Few took over in 2000, they started to play through their bigs a little bit more but for the most part, they were still running flex. And the, the crazy thing about flex for them is they were unbelievable at it at the time. Their, their guards, when they came off screens, I've never seen a group of guards square their feet to shoot uh, better than these guys. They were unbelievable three-point shooters. Uh, and that's really one of the main reasons that they were able to win so many games in the NCAA tournament for three straight years is because those guys hit so many jump shots coming off of screens. And they were so good at setting guys up off of screens. And they were so good at countering 
Like in the flex offense, you know, it's it's a pretty rigid thing in it on its face, but there's so many different counters that you can use, and Gonzaga was unbelievable at using those counters and getting guys open. If you want a reference, like I said, I've been going through and watching some some old games, and I watched that 2000 tournament game against Louisville and the 2000 tournament game against St. John's. In that 2000 tournament game against Louisville, Take a guess at how many ball screens Gonzaga set in the year 2000 against Louisville in the NCAA tournament. How many ball screens did they set in that game? The answer, five. They set total of five ball screens in that 2000 NCAA tournament game against Louisville. Louisville was very, very, very aggressive in their denials. They were switching everything, um, but still, five ball screens is crazy considering where Gonzaga is right now. And then against St. John's, Uh, St. John's ran a lot of press and a little bit of zone, but still, they only had nine ball screens in uh, in that game. So combined, in the first two rounds of the 2000 NCAA tournament, they set 14 total ball screens. Uh, And now, Gonzaga is setting 14 ball screens probably before the under-16 timeout in the first half of a basketball game. So that is something that is um, crazy to think about in the evolution of Gonzaga's offense. So, the 2000 Gonzaga Bulldogs end the season in the Sweet 16, losing to Purdue. They finished the season 26-9. At one point, they had the highest ranking in school history, which is 22 in the country, after beating UCLA on the road. Richie Fromm led the team in scoring with 16.9 points a game. Matt Santangelo finished with 13.2 points and 6.4 assists. He broke the school record for assists, which was held until Josh Perkins uh, finally beat that record a couple years ago. And it's fascinating that that... Uh, that Matt Santangelo held that record for so long, and he never really played with any ball screens. Like I just said, and they had five in an NCAA tournament game. Matt Santangelo held that record for most assists in a career in Gonzaga history and would have held it um, for longer and maybe forever if Josh Perkins didn't break his jaw as a freshman. So it goes to show how Matt, how talented uh, Matt Santangelo was that he didn't need ball screens to uh, to have and you know rack up assists and then of course Casey Calvary had 13 and a half points and six and a half rebounds and we'll talk about him more tomorrow because tomorrow we're talking about the 2000 2001 Gonzaga Bulldogs which of course is Casey Calvary's senior year. Okay, we're gonna wrap up the show today. Going back to our path to playing time series and today we are talking about Ben Gregg. He came in as a high school senior early from the state of Oregon. And he basically passed Umar Balo in the rotation. So what does he need to do this coming season to earn rotation minutes? I'll give some thoughts on that to end today's show. Before we get there, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing in the NFL and college football right around the corner. So it's the perfect time to get in on the fun. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. Ben Gregg, I think he's in a very, very interesting spot on this coming year's roster with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren and Anton Watson, three very clearly established um, big men 
Ben Gregg's clearly the fourth big man on this roster. And to be honest, with a healthy Caden Perry, if Caden Perry is indeed healthy, I think it's very possible that Ben Gregg is fifth on the totem pole. But he has six more months of experience than Caden Perry does at Gonzaga, including probably a better understanding of the system right now. So I would say at the start of the season, he could certainly be ahead of where Caden Perry is. But either way, uh, because of the talent of Gonzaga's three main big men already in the rotation, it doesn't seem super likely that Ben Gray cracks the lineup unless there's some foul trouble. So that kind of begs the question, which is what we're doing here, what is Ben Gregg's path to playing time? For me, after watching him last year, I would say his path to playing time is to become a reliable defender. He was not good on the defensive end last season in the minutes that we saw him. I think we certainly saw some glimpses of his offensive potential. 7 for 17 from the field in 18 games. He surpassed Umar Balo in the rotation, which means the coaching staff clearly see something in him. He's got a really good shooting stroke. We knew that coming in, but I think he also has a really good feel uh, for the offense, especially in ball screens. And at some point in the next couple of years, he's get, I mean, he's definitely going to be a stretch big, a pick and pop guy who's going to play 20 plus minutes for Gonzaga. But his ceiling is going to be determined on the defensive end. He was not comfortable last season defending ball screens whatsoever. He's, he was slow on the perimeter and he fouled a lot. I think it was kind of masked because it was in uh, a lot of it was in, you know, uh, garbage time at the end when the when the game was out of question, but he picked up 14 fouls in 56 minutes of playing time last season. That's a foul in every 4 minutes. That is not going to keep anybody on the court. But as we know, he was essentially a high school senior playing against college kids. So growing pains are going to be expected. And, you know, it's going to be okay for him. Over the offseason, we saw a lot of videos of him working out. Uh, He did some work with Kyle Wilcher in the Portland area, which was really, really good to see. And I would imagine one of the biggest parts to his offseason regimen is to grow into his body better. Caden Perry most likely is going to be in that same spot. We're going to talk about him later this week. But Ben Gregg, uh, he's got to move from a high school athlete to becoming a college athlete, which means becoming much quicker laterally. We saw how poorly Gonzaga defended ball screens for large chunks of the NCAA tournament this season, Um, but they're going to need as many quick-footed bigs as possible on the roster, not just next year, but every single season because of how important ball screens are in today's college basketball and really in the NBA, basketball in general. Ben Gregg is likely going to be a four-year player who's going to play a lot of minutes in his final three seasons. So he's going to have to be better defensively. And if he is, Gonzaga is going to excel and he's going to excel and he could be a potential professional player down the road. But to play meaningful minutes this coming season and somehow crack the rotation with three really, really, really good bigs already in it, he has to get better defensively. He's got to be quicker. He's got to be stronger. He's got to be smarter. And going against those three other bigs, plus Kane Perry in practice, he is going to get better, and he's going to get quicker, and he's going to get stronger, and he's going to get smarter. The offense down the road is going to earn Ben Gregg minutes, but the defense is going to be what keeps him on the court. That is Ben Gregg's path to playing time, and that is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow we'll be back, and we're going to talk uh, on the women's side again, and we'll be talking about Sierra Walker sharpshooting wing. She is going to be asked to do even more this season. We'll talk about exactly what that is. We'll also reminisce about the 2001 Gonzaga Bulldogs with Casey Cavalry as a senior and a pair of very 
very dynamic guards entering the fold. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the brand new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with anything you want me to talk about on the program, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.